All right, so I am going to give you all the most ridiculous sermon goal that you're going to hear from me at least through the end of this year. And since there's only two Sundays left, I've got a really good chance of keeping that promise. So here is my goal for each of you. My goal is by the time we finish this message, I want you to feel totally overwhelmed. I know that sounds backwards. I might even be a bit ironic with the fact that we're talking about the gospel in stress. And you might be thinking, but Paul, if we're talking about stress, shouldn't your goal be that we are not overwhelmed? If that's what you're thinking, you are so wrong this morning, so wrong. Okay, now if it helps, I want you all to be overwhelmed in the happiest, most redemptive way possible. Here's what I mean by that. I want you to be totally overwhelmed by the riches of God's word as it relates to stress, worry, and anxiety. I want you to feel totally overwhelmed with hope that if you're stressed out today, you're not crazy, that's a good thing. Tomorrow can be better, that's a good thing. And God's grace is sufficient for you, that's a great thing. I want you to be totally overwhelmed with the truth that the gospel is more applicable to daily living than you ever dreamed possible. I want you to be totally overwhelmed with biblical steps and helpful resources and reflective thoughts that not only help you process stress today, but also for the months to come and the years to come. I want to load your wagon with gospel truth. If you looked at that sermon outline sheet, you will see we got all sorts of goodness going on on this thing, front and back, all sorts of stuff. So here's the first thing. If we're gonna do this, then I want to remind you of a message series that I did in February and March of 2022 entitled Rewire. And that entire series was focused on rewiring our mind to think with a biblical thought pattern and a biblical worldview. But I would encourage you, go back, watch the entire series. There's six messages in there, but there's two messages that are specific for what we're dealing with today. One message was entitled, A Biblical Understanding of Stress. The other was a biblical understanding of worry. I want to encourage you, go back and rewatch those two messages. And the reason for that is because I did a detailed uh, analysis uh, going deep into the word, lots of passages, lots of practical application to help people process both stress as well as worry. Now, if you're looking for where you can find those, go to Sherwood's website, also go to Sherwood's YouTube page. Now, I am not going to go back and share everything from those two messages again this morning. But I do want to build on foundational ideas that were presented, and for that to happen, I'm gonna be given about a five-minute overview of some key thoughts to kind of reset the table again. Now, Lord willing, by the time that we're done today, you'll see how a life that is influenced, directed, and changed by the gospel is better equipped to minimize to work through, and to get even stronger through stress. We got a lot that we're going to cover in this today. So in a moment, we're going to have a word of prayer, and we're going to dig into this topic of the gospel and stress. But before we do that, I want to share just a, a minute about next Sunday afternoon. There's going to be a Christmas Eve service at 3 p.m. That is not the same service as what we're going to have in the morning. In the morning, there's going to be a service that'll look very much like this, other than to have a major Christmas emphasis. 
The three o'clock service, though, is going to be different. It's going to be between maybe 35 to 40 minutes in length, and it's designed for families to be able to be together. Uh, there's a whole lot that happens in church where we kind of separate people based on age, and for really good reasons. We want things to be age-appropriate. But for that particular service, we want families to be together. We want you to bring your babies we want you to bring your toddlers. We want you to bring your young children, your teenagers, parents. We want you to, grandparents, great-grandparents. We want everyone together. And the reason we're wanting to do this is because there's so few opportunities for families to be together and worship together. Think of what that would look like for your children to see their dad their granddad and their great-granddad all together in a service. Think of what it's going to be for moms and children to see moms and grandmothers all together. The thing is, if you're worried saying, oh my goodness, my child's too young, they're going to make noise, it's primarily going to be music, amen for that. There's going to be like a five-minute message, but there's also going to be a discipleship resource that we give families to help you share the story of Christmas through the Christmas carols and scriptural references. It's going to be a good time. You don't want to miss it. All right, here's one more reason why we're doing this. I don't know if you all knew this, but in the last seven to ten years, Christmas Eve services are the most attended services in an entire calendar year. Do you know Why? Because in a world of crazy, people are running for stability. People want something that is familiar, something that is comfortable, something that reminds them of simpler times. This is a great opportunity to invite people to come with you. Okay? All sorts of stuff there. Let's pray. You all are not nearly as excited about this as I am, but that's okay. I'm excited enough for both of us. Sorry. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. We are asking, Lord, that you would help us to dig deep into the truths of your word. And Lord, I pray today that as we walk away, we are overwhelmed in the most redemptive way possible, that you are enough in the stressful moments of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so remember, I'm, I'm laying out foundational information. In the first part of this message, probably 10 minutes, it's going to sound like I'm just giving almost an analysis of stress and worry all the way through. But what I'm trying to do is help people connect. This is what I'm walking through every day. And then when we come in and show what the word of God says about it, there's a clear connection between them. So think of it like this. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 16, it tells us, but we have the mind of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have repented of your sin by placing faith in him, you have the mind of Christ. Now, Christians have been given a new mind, and we're also called to a new way of thinking. Learning to think with this new mind requires us to renew our minds, Romans chapter 12, prepare our minds, 1 Peter chapter 1, set our minds on things above, Colossians chapter 3, and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Now, I could preach easily for a month, on the different types of assaults and attacks that are coming after your mind. They're everywhere. You, you see them in media, you see them in conversations, you, you see them pop up everywhere. There's all sorts of attacks coming for your mind, but there's two of those that we battle every single day. One is gonna be stress 
and the other is going to be connected to it, which is anxiety, also referred to as worry. We're going to take a moment, look at each of those, but then we're going to come settle in and focus primarily on stress. So stress, this is in your notes, is a normal human reaction to real or perceived changes or challenges. Okay, stress can come through something as simple as a child who does not quit crying. Every parent out there can say amen on that. It can come through something like a sudden drop in the stock market. It can come through broken relationships, a discouraging email, a difficult project at work. It could come through long periods of sickness or grieving the death of a loved one or moving to a new place. If it's changing or if it's challenging, if it's changing or if it's challenging, it can become very stressful. Now, God has designed our bodies to respond to external stimuli. And part of that response is evaluating whether it is a real or perceived threat to our well-being. If we perceive something to be a threat, if we perceive it to be overwhelming, if we perceive it to be something that is bad, it often leads to stress. Now, here's your definition of anxiety or worry. It is a feeling of fear, dread, or uneasiness connected to the possibility of danger or misfortune. Now, as you can see, those two definitions seem very, very similar. And a lot of times people are thinking, well, am I stressed out right now? Or am I anxious right now? It's kind of hard to figure out which is which. Generally speaking, stress is a response to an external cause. That is the origin of the stress is out there. Anxiety is an internal reaction to stress. Generally speaking, the origin of the anxiousness is in here. Now, both of those deal with our perception of a situation, and that's why this is so huge. Our perception can change, and it often does. If you're thinking, I've been anxious for years, I've been worried for years, I'm stressed out constantly, it's never going to get better because I got 25 years, so I'm going to retire, I know that's not going to help right now. If you're already stressing out, thinking about stress, just know your response to this is about perception. It's about perception, and our perception can change, and it often does change, and praise the Lord when it changes the right way. We cannot get away from all stress but we can change our perception of what stress is like. Now, because stress and anxiety are so closely connected, because stress and anxiety share many of the same emotional and physical symptoms like uneasiness, tension, headaches, high blood pressure, uh, sleepless nights, because they share so many things in common, it's not... Uh, uncommon for people to say, I don't know where my stress ends and where my anxiety begins. Like, how do I know which is which? Well, here's the thing to think about. Chances are, if you're, if you're stressed out, if you're anxious right now, chances are there's a little bit of both that's going on. But one is going to be more pronounced. Now, if you're trying to figure out, like, where's the dividing line between the two? Here's generally speaking, this is how you would process it. Take the time to determine what is bringing stress into your life. What's bringing stress? And here's the second part of that. Ask yourself, how far away from that stressor am I right now? Okay, here's, here's what I mean by that. If you're asking the question, what's stressing me out? 
You, you gotta identify it. And then you say, how far away from that stressor, that problem, that issue am I at this particular moment? That's gonna help you determine if it is stress or whether or not it is anxiety. Anxiety can persist long after the original stressor has gone away. And for some people, it is that lingering anxiety, that lingering feeling of uneasiness that literally paralyzes them from everyday responses. Things that used to be normal, like eating and sleeping and talking with other people and going to work, now it seems like it's an Olympic task for them to step into those things. They are overwhelmed, they are stressed out, they're, they're anxious in their thoughts. Anxiety lingers. Now, if you're thinking, Paul, why does it sound like I'm in a counseling seminar right now instead of a worship service? My issue is, unless people can connect this with where they live, you don't think it's that important. But I'm gonna tell you, for the person who feels like they can't breathe when they're talking to other people, for the person who feels overwhelmed just sitting down in what seems like a normal uh, work setting, that person knows exactly what I'm talking about. And until you understand how the pieces fit together, you're just thinking, oh, that's a nice Bible verse, but it doesn't apply to me. This applies to every single one of us. Okay, so that's your quick refresher on some key ideas. Now, let's go back to the idea of stress. And how does the gospel specifically address stress? Now, I want you to know, the Bible does not specifically mention the word stress. Know that from the very beginning. It doesn't mention the word. But what the Bible does do is it mentions the causes of stress, trials, problems, change, danger. And it also mentions the effects of stress, anxiety, worry, fear, and despair. And in each of those areas, it gives clarity as to how we respond in a biblical way. It's also good to remember just general pieces about stress overall. Stress is amplified when we're physically and emotionally exhausted. Have you ever noticed that there's certain things that you've gone through in life and all of a sudden it just takes you over the top? And you're like, I've been here before. I've experienced this before. And it wasn't nearly this bad the last time. Do you know, oftentimes the reason it's overwhelming is because you're already physically and emotionally exhausted. Sickness can add to stress. Hey, listen to this. We can also get incredibly stressed out whenever we have agreed to do too many things and we don't have time to think or breathe. Now, the reason I bring that up is because you can know all the Bible verses about stress, but if you load your calendar down to the point you cannot breathe next year, you're still going to be stressed out. Stress comes from different areas. So it's good to remember that you'll experience maybe stress in a deeper level as you walk through grief or when things seem to spin out of control. Now, not all stress is bad. There's two basic forms of stress. One is positive, it's called eustress. The other is negative, it's called distress. Positive stress is what we feel when we stand before a challenge, but we believe our abilities are proportionate to the challenge. Okay, think of it like this. Think of a ball player before they go out for a big game. There's that feeling of uneasiness inside. 
Think of an actor who's about to take the stage on opening night. There, there's an excitement and anticipation that's there. Think about a student who has studied, but they're about to take a final exam. There's this anxiousness that is kind of there. There's an uneasiness, but primarily it is a positive thing. Negative stress is when we encounter a challenge that we believe our abilities are inadequate to take. Uh, think of somebody who is dealing with a huge project at work that they were never trained to deal with. Think of the person who has a sudden change in a major relationship of their life and they didn't see this coming. Or think of the person who is in a crisis because their loved one was in a car accident. In that moment, the person feels helpless. They feel overwhelmed. They feel out of control. They feel stressed. In both cases, the type of stress depends on our perception of ability. This is good. The believer who is living the gospel will have a more accurate view of ability than anybody else. In fact, even in the most stressful situations, we know that God's grace is made perfect in our weakness. Even when our abilities come in lacking, his abilities are not lacking. Maybe an illustration will kind of help bring this out. A submarine has to equalize pressure the further it goes. The deeper it goes, it has to equalize pressure. As the outside environment presses in, there must be equal or stronger strength on the inside to press back out. As we go deeper into the stresses of life, things like relational pain and work problems and death of a loved one and brokenness all around us, we need equal or greater strength on the inside to press back out against the stresses that are around us. But here's the thing, we were not made with completely unending ability and strength in ourselves. That's not how God made us. God made us so that we would be in relationship with him, so that we would depend upon him, and so that he would live his life in and through us. It's only the gospel-centered believer who understands that mindset, that idea that it's not up to us to have enough strength in ourselves to face every challenge. Because here's the thing, you might be strong today, but all it takes is for you to get the flu next week and you feel overwhelmed. All it takes is one difficult conversation coming from a doctor's office and it can drain the life out of you in a moment. All it takes is one unfortunate phone call and you can feel overwhelmed in a moment. And in that moment, the person's saying, I've just got to muster it up myself. I've got to find the strength in myself. I've got to pull myself up in this moment. The gospel-centered believer understands in that moment, like every moment of life, we are to submit to God so that he lives his life in and through us. He alone has the ability to face the pressures around us. He alone is sovereign. He alone is all-powerful. His strength has never dropped below 100%. His ability has never been eclipsed by the task. His bandwidth has never been reduced by the load. God is not only willing to help, he wants to help. Spiritually speaking, where did we first learn 
that we could not meet our own needs. The gospel. Spiritually speaking, what challenges us to confess our shortcomings and to rely upon God's sufficient and abundant grace every day? It's the gospel. For the person who has been changed by the gospel, they are living the gospel and they are preaching the gospel to themselves daily. They are being conditioned moment by moment, situation by situation to submit their inability and to receive his abundant grace in their life. That person will find hope and peace in stressful moments when everybody else around them does not find the same hope and peace. Stress knocks at everyone's door. Gospel people let Jesus answer the door. For those people, stress can become a catalyst for a deeper walk with God. Now this next statement might sound weird, but when viewed biblically, stress can be a really good gift from God. Write this passage off to the side in your notes. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. It says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within ourselves. Here it is. So that we would not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. This is huge. The pain had a purpose. The stress was strategic. God allowed them to go through things beyond their ability so that they would stop relying on themselves and start trusting in him. Think of it personally. Had you not gone through what you went through, you would not know what you know today about God. Had your ability been up for the task, you would not have seen God's grace perfected in your weakness. Had your bank account been unlimited, you would not have seen God meet your needs. Had you been able to fight your own battle, you would not have known God as your refuge. Had you been able to heal your own body, you would not have witnessed Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals at work for you. There are certain Bible truths and certain gospel truths that are personally activated and they are further illuminated in this stressful moment of life. When we understand that, it doesn't make it feel better in the moment. It just changes our perception of the moment. Now, we're about to drop that whole conversation into some deep ravines of gospel truth. And as I shared a couple of weeks ago, every time we come through this, I'm going to give you the same 30-second overview of the gospel. The gospel is the good news of God's design, sin's intrusion, and Christ's solution for human flourishing. The gospel focuses on four key themes in the Bible. Creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. The gospel tells us we've been created for relationship with God. Our sins separated us from that relationship. And Jesus did what was necessary to reconcile the relationship. That is your 30-second gospel overview. But here's the thing. Those who understand the key components of the gospel are now prepared to walk through stress in a biblical way. The gospel and stress overlap 
on so many areas. Sin's impact, our inability, God's grace and mercy that we need each day, the need of faith, the beauty of brokenness, the necessity of dependence, the glory of God's sovereignty, and so much more. Think about some of the most common stressors in our life. Think about what stresses you out right now. Chances are, here's what people are thinking. Work stresses me out. Sometimes relationship, they stress me out. Sometimes finances will stress you out. Sometimes busyness will stress you out. Sometimes sin and unwillingness to walk away from sin will stress you out. Now, I'm not gonna be able to walk through every one of those paths, but I'm gonna take one of the most important ones that we face, the issue of work. And I want you to watch the gospel begin to impact the stress we experience at work, okay? Think about it like this. America is reeling from hyper-productivity at work. Not that we do everything right, but here's what I can tell you about the American culture. We don't know when to stop. Our work days are longer than they've ever been. We bring our work home with us. Our work goes into the weekends. We are accessible 24-7 through devices. We can get stressed out because of work. Now drop work into a gospel paradigm. Work was created before the fall. Work is not a problem. Work is a blessing. Work was created before the fall, but the fall absolutely changed the idea of work in some very negative ways. Uh, work is now plagued by thorns and thistles, as it says, Genesis chapter 3, verse 18. Work is still good, no question about that, but it's now harder. Sometimes it is painful. It's often frustrating because of what happened with the fall. You've got design, you've got the fall, and here we go from there. God uses the very things that are frustrating you like crazy to form you at work. Did you know the gospel does not run around your workday? It goes directly through the center of your workday. Those same things that you're like, why can't that person get it together? Stop and ask the question, God, what am I not learning in this moment that allows you to keep bringing this person into my life who cannot get things together? Often you will find that there's things in that moment that God is teaching you that that set of circumstances are perfectly designed to form you into the character of Christ. So I'm gonna give you just three, three ways in which problems and pressures at work are being used redemptively in your life to form you. Here's the first of those. God uses problems and pressures at work to teach us dependence on him. Dependence. There is nothing like a work problem that you were not trained for, that is not resourced well, and that you got no idea how it's gonna work out to drop you to your knees in prayer. Like, Lord Jesus, if this doesn't happen, I don't know what else to do. Okay, I just quoted from 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9. I talked about how the apostle Paul was being burdened excessively. He was facing affliction. He was despairing even of life itself. But remember his context. He was experiencing that while taking the gospel to the nations. The apostle Paul was a missionary. Guess what? Taking the gospel to the nations is pretty much his work. 
That's what he's called to do. He's, he's getting the gospel out. Later on in the exact same book, chapter 12, verse 9, Paul described being afflicted and bringing that affliction, bringing that burden back before God. And here's what God told him. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power has been made perfect in weakness. The problems that the apostle Paul brought to God were problems that God's saying, my grace is sufficient for you. God uses the problems to work in us redemptively and restoratively. Now listen, part of the human condition is we run from pain and problems towards ease and good things. We don't like to hang out in the problem area. We don't like to spend too much time in the pain. But we often run without considering that what's hurting us is also forming us. God's path for developed character does not go around the problems. It goes through the problems. He uses those to form us. Here's the next piece. God reminds us through work problems that our value is not in our productivity, but in our identity. Western culture prizes individualism and self-sufficiency. It's no wonder that stress and work are almost synonymous. Now, while it is important that we work with excellence, that is a part of the way that we honor God. Listen, the pursuit of excellence can become an obsession. And in some very unhealthy ways, people start to equate their worth with their output. In other words, the more I do, the better I am. The more value I have, the greater I see myself. Failure to live up to those expectations can often crush the person and they walk away feeling devalued and they walk away feeling like their identity has been stripped away from them. Here's the thing. Desire for excellence is not the problem. Obsession with excellence that distorts our value and identity, that is a problem. Now, understanding that we were created in God's image, that we are loved by a great God, that our identity is found in Christ, it frees us up so that we don't have to have a performance-based work life trying to earn value somehow before God. That has already been addressed in the gospel. Here's the next piece. God reminds us through work problems to remember how the story of redemption ends. Now, this is gonna take just a moment here. Okay, it can be exhausting to work and live in a broken world. When, when you are bothered by things that don't work right, when you are bothered by injustices, when you are upset because there's, there's issues that are all around us, sometimes the Stress we feel at work comes from trying to make things right that are so completely wrong. Sometimes that, that feeling of, I just need to figure out how to fix this. I need to right this situation. And as believers, we cannot turn a blind eye to those things. 
As believers, when we see people hurting, when we see injustice, according to scripture, we are representing Christ. We represent the gospel. We represent the kingdom. We're to be a part of the solution. But depending upon your work environment, the levels of brokenness and the degrees of wrongdoing can be absolutely overwhelming. And sometimes people even ask the question, I don't know why God has me here. Like, I feel like if I could just get out of this situation and go into a better environment, then my stress would come down. My life would be better. If God has you there, it's for a reason. And a part of that reason is he wants to live a redemptive message through you, and he wants to remind you of a redemptive message in your life. Here's the message that I I want you to remember. You can have joy even in very difficult circumstances if you remember how the story of redemption is going to end. In the end, all the nations will bow before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. In the end, God will right the wrong. In the end, God is the one bringing it back together. And while God uses his people in incremental ways to bring change at individual moments of time, he does not put the burden of ultimate restoration on us. It's still his load that he carries. So here's some other helpful ways. Uh, There are practical ways that God uses stress for our good and for his glory. First, God uses stress to get our attention. God created our bodies to signal us when something is wrong. And there is nothing like day after day being stressed out to let you know something's not right. I'm emotionally overwhelmed. I'm physically overwhelmed. I'm spiritually exhausted. When that thing happens, he uses it to get our attention. The next, God uses stress to help us rediscover our priorities. We only have so much time, energy, and focus, and we have to set our priorities on the right things. Life has a way of getting us off the right priorities and onto something else. Stress reminds us something is out of balance in our life. The next, God uses stress to develop intimacy with him. Throughout the Old Testament, we read phrases like, but in their distress they turn to the Lord. Jonah chapter two, verse two says, in my distress, I called to the Lord. David says in Psalm 18, verse six, in my distress, I called upon you. Stress has a way of bringing us back to God in prayer. The next, God uses stress to deepen our trust in him. Uh, 1 Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. You have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith may result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Without trials and stress, our faith would not develop the way it's supposed to. Faith needs to be stretched, and God stretches our faith through the things that are stressing us out. Here's a couple of pieces as we close some biblical steps for dealing with stress. One, pray about everything. Not some things, not just the big things, not the things you think are stressing you out, pray about everything. Second, believe God. Jesus says, John 14, one, let not your heart be troubled. In other words, don't be stressed out, don't be overwhelmed. What does it tell you to do? Believe in God, believe also in me. The next one, focus on God. 
Isaiah 26, 3, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Next, meditate on things that are good. Your mind is going to think about something. It's going to dwell on something. Think about what is good. A part of the battle is not just what you don't think about. The other part of the battle is what are you to think about? Think about the right things. Philippians 4, 8. Plan ahead and do what can be done today. There are certain types of stress and anxiety that come from lack of planning and laziness. All right now. Listen, you can quote all the scripture you want to quote, but if you won't actually work, you're going to be stressed out tomorrow. There's a part of it that just comes back to, as we're adults, the Bible says we put away childish things. We might not have been as focused on getting things done and accepting responsibility. The older we get, the more we're called to say, what needs to be done today? Because I can't boast about tomorrow. I don't know what's happening tomorrow. Here's the next one. Be grateful. Be grateful. The passage there is so clear of a connection between gratefulness as well as a lack of stress. The last part of that is simply reflection, discussion, and application pieces. I don't have any fill in the blanks there because I want you to take that home and read through it. I want you to process through the right questions. Here's the thing. I don't know what's stressing each of you out. I don't know what's bringing anxiety into your life. But if you ask the right question of God in the still moments of life, he can use the right question to help pinpoint the issues in which are out of balance in your life. So think about some of those. Am I approaching stress in a biblical way? The third one down, am I feeling overwhelmed because I'm trying to be self-sufficient? Here's one, it's about the, I don't know, fifth one down. Am I guarding myself against the needs of others to be less stressed? Okay, I need to pause here for a moment. God calls believers to be salt and light. He calls us to be a part of the solution. And sometimes in a selfish way to de-stress our life, we don't actually walk with people through the burdens of their life. So have we distanced ourselves from others because we're saying, I don't want to get involved in that. That's too big of an issue for me. And if, that, if that's where we're at, then ask the question, how does that line up with the gospel? How do we take the news of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration to people who are hurting when we don't want to take the time to talk with people who are hurting. Sometimes we can isolate ourselves because we don't want to deal with the stress of somebody else's life. The gospel will send us into the problems, but it sends us with a solution. It sends us with the right message. It sends us with the right resource. It sends us not in our strength, but in his. It sends us there with good news for people who are hurting. One of the disconnects that's happened when it comes to the gospel is because we've made it only an evangelistic message, people don't know what it looks like for somebody to live the gospel in a daily issue. 
But when a believer begins to walk through stressful times and they've got peace, they've got calmness, they've got clarity, they've got perspective, they've got joy. When they walk through difficult times like that, people want to know what you have that they don't. And guess what you say? It's not me. It's Christ in me. It's the gospel. This is what it's all about. It's an open opportunity to share. If you would, bow with me for prayer. Heavenly Father, we recognize today that, Lord, apart from you reminding us and showing us areas in our life where stress and anxiety are crippling us, God, we ask that you would give us the perspective to see where those pieces are coming in and help us to remember how the gospel applies in each of those areas. God, we understand that apart from you, we can do nothing. We understand that when we cannot, you are more than able. God, we recognize that that you have not sent us out with a message that is built on self-sufficiency, but one that is built on understanding our need and coming to you for grace and unlimited supply. So Lord, I pray today for people who are hurting, those who are stressed out, those who are anxious, those who are overwhelmed. God, may they see the glory of the gospel message on display and may they see an unbelievable invitation that you're giving to bring all of those things back to you in prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.